Hi, Kev. It's your favorite president, uh, Donald J. Trump. I was just talking to some people after New Hampshire, and they were telling me that maybe I should try my hand at stand-up. So I wanted to get your feedback on, on my audition tape. Tell me what you think. You know, we won New Hampshire three times now, three. Yeah. We win it every time. We win the primary, we win the generals, we've won it, and it's a very, very special place to me. It's very important. If you remember, in 2016, we came here and we needed that win, and we won by 21 points, and it was great. And uh, today, I have to tell you, it was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. But then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely <laughs> when it was at 7. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. But, but she ran up when it was 7. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing... Uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win, she lost. And you know, last, last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around, I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. And then I looked at the polls. She was talking about most winnability, who's going to win. And I had one put up. I don't know if you see it, but I have one put up. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. And she doesn't win those. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. And you, uh, you have the... You have the very, the now very unpopular governor of this state. This guy, he's got to be on something. I've never seen anybody with energy. He's like uh, hopscotch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching this guy, and two weeks ago, he said, we're going to win, we're going to win in the last side, we're going to win. About three days ago, he started saying, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. But I walked out just now, we're 14 points up, and I don't know what it's going to be, but when she was up here, it was like six or seven. And, you know, with like 7% of the vote counted. Now, let, let me just tell you, we, uh, we had an unbelievable week last week in Iowa. We set a record. It was the best in the history of the caucus, in the history. And uh, I remember I sort of had the same feeling. I'm up and I'm watching. And I said, she's taking a victory lap. And we, we beat her so badly, she was, but Ron beat her also. You know, Ron came in second and he left. She came in third and she's still hanging around. Anyway, thanks for listening. And don't forget to vote. And now it's that show. Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Lutz Stradamus. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. And tonight, Decision 24 with Dr. Monica Crowley, a man named Kevin and his ordinary angels, an economic war you're unaware of, Dean Haskin weighs in, 
Sketch comedy, Joe Biden writes a song that makes the whole world cry. And the origin of the cheeseburger burrito, along with Ann Wilson in the spotlight. And now, from Times Square, where even after buying them all the first round, Nikki Haley still couldn't lock down the Pizza Rat Union endorsement. Here's that. Turns out the Pizza Rat endorsement is going to be very hard to get this year because they didn't give it to Trump yet either. Uh, the, the key is they don't want leftover pizza. They want they want fresh pies. So whoever's going to try to get that locked up, and you know New York's going to be in play. I don't know. I don't. Nikki, Nikki Haley won't be in the in the race by the time the primary comes to New York. It's not going to be possible. Um, but it but it is going to be in play in the general election. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see exactly uh, where we all go from here. Welcome to the weekend. Kevin McCullough couldn't be happier than to have you with us. Have you felt like you were walking a little bit in uh, like rarefied air this week? Like uh, uh, the way other people saw certain things that happened didn't quite make sense to you. Uh, I I say that because I say that because you you heard the opening uh, cold open sketch there with the the former president trying his hand at standup. And I thought it's really funny. I thought that that speech was showed humor. I thought that there was a lot of, uh, I don't know, um, good naturedness about it. I mean, when, when this guy wants to be nasty, he has been nasty in the past. He can call people nasty names and do nasty. And he didn't do any of that with her, but did you see her social media? Oh man, the Nikki Haley social media machine. I don't know. She, so well, first, uh, just tonight, she heard that this show was going to uh, have have the the, the president's uh, speech on, and so she swampers going to swamp. Um, that's okay. That's not that far removed from what she said just right after the um, the the election was over the other night. Thank you, New Hampshire. I came in last, but thank you. No, seriously, uh, I, I guess she could take some solace that she got more votes than Joe Biden on the other side because he only had like 69,000 votes and she got 100,000 plus. But but Trump got 170,000 and she spent gobs more money there than him and spent a lot of time there. I mean, this was her Iowa. This is Ron DeSantis spent all of his money in Iowa. Nikki Haley spent all of her money in New Hampshire. And then she got some <clears throat> Ron DeSantis money. Actually, it's just the never Trump money. And they came looking for whoever was left standing, and they said, okay, we'll give it to Nikki. So that's what happened there. But thank you, New Hampshire. (laughs) This is why I thought Trump's speech the other night was just hilarious. I thought it was, he was, and you know, he didn't even, he, he didn't even look angry. People talk about how angry he was. Oh, and she was like, she was this week. Well, he gave a nasty victory speech. I just played for you the the nastiest part of the victory speech. And then she said, well, he didn't talk about the American people or what they're going through. And then right after what I played for you, he went on and talked about the American people and what he's going to do for them for the next four years. She is in la-la land, people. I don't know what she's doing, but it ain't normal.
And whatever it is, is mind-bending. So, you know, be careful there, Nick. But I want to get to this other thing, because this is equally hilarious. She has said all week long, that she's been doing this on, on social media all week. And she's had um, a dozen of these posts if she's had one. But it's all about the establishment. I've been fighting the establishment forever. I, I'm the one that's going against the establishment. I'm going to the establishment, blah, blah, blah. I, I Just do me a favor. Uh, we, on the commercial break, walk outside, go to your neighbor's house, ask them. Uh, knock on the door. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, do you think that Donald Trump is considered the establishment Ask any person in America if they think that Donald Trump is the establishment. You know, the guy connected with all the deep pockets, the Koch brothers, the all the DeSantis money, all the Haley money, all the PAC money, all the people that have been trying to kick his fanny out of politics since he came down that, that escalator all those years ago. Do you think anybody in America thinks that he's the establishment? You know who doesn't think he's the, the establishment? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. MAGA. MAGA Republicans. MAGA this. MAGA that. I thought it was genius what Trump did on Monday. He goes, very calm. And he's so much more calm. He's so much more chill on the campaign trail this year than he was uh, the last two times. But he, he just very calmly says from the, the, from the podium, do you think that making America great is a bad thing? Is is make because that's what MAGA stands for, make America great again. Do you think that making America a good place is bad? Look, I want my teachers to make children's learning experiences great. I want my banker to make my investments great. I want my bride to make our romantic life great and in, in the cooking in the kitchen. I want I want my mechanic to make my car great. And I want my president to make my country great. I don't understand how we, we walk around MAGA extremists. Yes, we're extreme about wanting an awesome country. How terrible is that? <laughs> but Nikki Haley's trying to make you think that Donald Trump is the establishment just because he's undefeated and in record form steamrolling her through the primary. I don't get it, but that's her take. Coming right back, we got a huge show. Don't you go anywhere. I knew it. Ah, uh, come on, Cam. What's a few classified documents between friends? I told you. I told you all the time. I knew it. I knew he had some, too. Here he is. That Kevin. Kevin McCullough. And welcome back. My next guest is no stranger to That Kevin Show. In fact, she was one of our very first guests uh, nearly a year ago now, as we've uh, gone into our second season. And I am very excited to welcome her back, especially on such an auspicious week. Earlier this week, the former president uh, wrapped up a second big win in his attempt to retake the presidency. We're talking about the New Hampshire primary, of course, and what lies ahead with Dr. Monica Crowley. Hello, lady. Hey, Kevin. Great to be back with you. You got it. Um, 
this week we took another step towards what is sure to be a, a somewhat tumultuous year news-wise. Um, and I continue to be a little bit amazed at how effortlessly, and I know it's not, but effortlessly it looks like Donald Trump is going from courtrooms to the campaign trail to acceptance speeches to huge oversized turnout crowds that are showing up for him. What were your takeaways from New Hampshire this week? You know, it really is amazing. Donald Trump is like a superhero. And, and I mean that in all sincerity. I don't know where he gets the energy, Kevin, to do this. I mean, he really does have some sort of superhuman reservoir of energy here to keep going because he'll go from a rally in Iowa to a New York courthouse to a rally in, in New Hampshire and then back again and then back to Palm Beach, Florida to Mar-a-Lago. And I, I honestly don't know how he does it. But he's doing it, and it's quite incredible because what we have seen uh, this week and then previously in Iowa is an historic comeback. Now, as you know, and we've talked about it, my very first job was for another man very famous for his comeback, Richard Nixon. And I worked with him during the last years of his life, where he had a third comeback after Watergate in his post-presidential years. Donald Trump is giving Richard Nixon a run for his money <laughs> in terms of being the master of American comebacks. And when he wins in November, Kevin, he's going to trump Nixon in terms of comebacks. That's for sure. But what no we saw in New yeah, no, what we saw in New Hampshire just adds to the historical nature of what Donald Trump is doing because Trump now is the only non-incumbent Republican candidate to have won both Iowa and New Hampshire. And he did it with over 50% of the vote in both places. He did it without doing a single debate. And he did it without the backing of the Republican governors in those states. It is absolutely mind-blowing what he's doing. But remember, Donald Trump is not just a garden variety candidate, mm. Kevin. He is leading a movement. And that, among many things, is what sets him apart. Well, let me get to that, because there's a couple of things that you unpacked there that I had, had intended to ask you about anyway. So um, let's start with Nixon. Um, he, you know, had to campaign after uh, losing the presidency. He had to get back out on the trail and make his case to the American people. He had not been president previously, so it's not an exact uh, correlation to the Trump scenario. But are there similarities that you have identified in um, Trump losing in 2020? I don't think that he lost. I think that the uh, that COVID rigged the game in a lot of different ways. Um, but do you see similarities in what has happened to the man in the interim of not being the candidate the last go around and what he's doing now? Yeah, you know, remember, Richard Nixon was vice president for eight years under Eisenhower. And then in 1960, he ran for president on his own uh, against JFK. And he Nixon did not lose that election either. <laughs> the way Trump did not lose the 2020 election. Uh, Democrats are very good at, at election fraud, as we know, and they've been doing it for decades. So Nixon then spent the next six years in what he called his wilderness years. And what he did is 
pretty close to what Donald Trump has done over the last four years, which is stay relevant to the political scene, stay engaged with the voters, and travel around the country giving out endorsements, doing fundraisers, doing speeches for other Republican candidates around the country so that when he was ready to run again in 1968, like Donald Trump in 2024, he had all of these favors to call in. This is how politics works. So Nixon was very smart about that. Donald Trump has been very smart about it as well, which is why he's able to pull off these, these incredible wins without necessarily the, the infrastructure of a traditional candidate, right. meaning not just the, the campaign infrastructure that a traditional candidate like a Ron DeSantis had, um, but also without sort of um, the, 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 the traditional um, backing of all of the, the Republican, you know, traditional establishment Republicans, which is what DeSantis said. We're in a completely different universe. So Nixon was operating in a more establishment kind of traditional uh, structure, even though he, like Trump, was an outsider, Kevin. But Trump has remade the party and he's remade how to do this. But only Donald Trump can pull that off because he's got one thing that no other candidate has and he developed it organically. He's got an emotional bond with the voters, hmm. not political, not intellectual, emotional, and that is unbreakable. And that is really the thing at base that's powering his candidacy through. We're speaking with Dr. Monica Crowley. You should hear her podcast, the Monica Crowley podcast. You can get it anywhere podcasts are offered and um, multiple time bestselling author. Honored to have her with us. Um, Monica, I was thinking, and I didn't hear anybody else mention it on election night. I, I did coverage for Salem News Channel and, and a couple of other outlets, but um, I, I, I cannot help but... Um, draw the irony that Nikki Haley in the 24 hours after New Hampshire uh, continued to spam her social media feed with all of this. I've always bucked the establishment and the establishment doesn't like me and I'm going to kick the establishment in South Carolina. And it's like she's trying to pitch herself as the establishment, the anti-establishment candidate. Donald Trump in Iowa had to defeat the endorsement of their sitting Republican governor. To defeat Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, he had to defeat the endorsement of the sitting Republican governor. Um, I don't see where Donald Trump has establishment backing. What I see is he has the backing of the voters. Republican voters like this guy. And the establishment, if you want to call the elected class the establishment in South Carolina, tend to be very MAGA in their um, in their approach to their politics currently, where he has the endorsement of the entire delegation. So she's down 30 points. If she loses worse in South Carolina than she did in Iowa, is this the end of her career? Uh, yeah, because if you lose your home state, Kevin, it is, you know, that's your political obituary. I mean, you cannot lose your home state and then say, well, I'm going to run again in four years. It really doesn't work that way. If you can't beat the leading contender in your own party, in your own state, mm -hmm. voters say, well, then how are you going to beat the CCP out of Beijing? How are you going to beat the Iranian mullahs out of Tehran? How are you going to beat Putin out of Moscow? It, it just, it, the logic does not follow. 
Which is why a lot of people have observed that Ron DeSantis was very smart and um, very just genius in getting out when he did. As we're coming right back with Dr. Monica Crowley. Stick around that- for more of That Kevin. Next, That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. Welcome back. Kevin McCullough, thrilled to have you with us. Coming up in the spotlight tonight, country music star Ann Wilson. Uh, and we've also got a brand new sneak peek at a brand new Angel Studios uh, production called Ordinary Angels. You're not going to want to miss this. Kevin Downs, the director, joins me in just a bit. But we continue with Dr. Monica Crowley. Uh, Monica, you served in the last Trump administration. You saw how things worked on the inside. Um KT McFarland joined me on election night uh, this last week uh, to kind of tell me a little bit that, that, that the way that Trump worked behind the scenes um, is much more kind of characteristic of his public persona on the trail. I, I've noticed the tone is much more conciliatory. I've noticed that the, uh, the there's not a lot of bombasticness to the uh, message. He's bringing up his former competitors and having them stand on the stage with him. He's thanking the uh, hordes of volunteers and crowds. In Iowa, he was effusive with the with the giving of thanks to everyone that was around him. We We seem to be seeing a gentler Donald Trump in many aspects. And I don't know if it's just that, you know, maybe the trials and the schedule is taken a little bit out of him, but he seems to be, I don't know, more settled, more calm, um, uh, still still intent on what his agenda is and still very much ready to fight for uh, America to be put first. But do you sense this as well? Is there a is there a, a gaining of some degree of wisdom and perspective that he's picked up in the last four years? Well, yes, and there's also a certain shift in tone that I think everybody is is picking up on, like you and I are as well. I mean, look, if you are competing against Donald Trump, he will destroy you <laughs> because he is a consummate competitor and he wants to win. So if you are coming at him in a Republican primary like Nikki Haley is now or Ron DeSantis was prior, Chris Christie, etc., he will destroy you. I mean, he will cut you out at the knees and take no prisoners. Um, and he will do the same for Joe Biden or whomever the Democrats decide to run. Um, but when he is he is governing, when he is uh, campaigning for votes on his own side, and then the general electorate, he is going to soften his tone a bit. And here's why. In 2016, he didn't really have to do that because he, he needed to remain fierce because he was an untested political quantity. Right. He had never done any of this before. He had never run for anything before. And he had to show the American people that he would be a tough son of a gun as president with our enemies, both foreign and domestic, right? Now he's got a long track record, record of having been president for four years. So people know that he can be tough with our enemies, both foreign and domestic, right? So he doesn't need to demonstrate that anymore. 
Now I think his his orientation is toward the general election. Nikki Haley is sort of an annoying gadfly at this point, and he's going to just whack her away. But his focus is on the general electorate, and he's got a couple of uh, problematic constituencies here, including suburban women in particular, Kevin. And I think now softening the tone a little bit is going to help him and serve him very well moving forward because they're going to see a new and possibly improved Donald Trump, where he doesn't have anything to prove. All he's going to say is, I did it once before, I'm going to do it again. Booming economy, enforced border, law and order, and world peace. It's interesting. I don't know, I don't know what people expect or want in an American president. <laughs> well, that's such an that, easy list right? to pull off, right? I mean, everybody's got those solutions. Um, <laughs> Well, I was speaking with some of the folks from um, Moms for Liberty uh, last week, and they, prior to the New Hampshire speeches, had said they wanted to hear more on the education stuff. And then in the Laconia speech going into New Hampshire, he specifically said he's going to ban DEI, he's going to ban CRT, he's going to ban gender theory, he's going to ban boys and girls sports. He started hitting nearly every single subject that those moms had said you know, we're, we're not saying he's not our guy. We just would like to hear more from him. And immediately it's like now in the speech, and I know that that speech is going to be something that he gives another thousand times uh, before November rolls around. Um, I think he can do well with suburban women. All I think he has to do is address those really huge um, progressive agenda items that Biden came in and basically blackmailed the, uh, the schools with on day one and says, I'm going to undo all that and your kids are going to be safe in schools again. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he is going to hit the culture wars much more aggressively now that he's a general election candidate. I think, you know, he has been talking about them over the last year, but they've been muted relative to illegal immigration, the border, national security, and well, the economy. War and of security course. and economy kind of come a little bit before. Yeah. yeah again, yeah, how much yeah, can yes. we ask of one human being? You know, it's like, <laughs> I know. All right. Dr. Monica Crowley, always appreciate your insights. Thank you for being back with us. Uh, and we'll talk to you again, uh, I'm sure, before the election of uh, 2024. But thanks for being here. You bet. Mike. Stick around for more of That Kevin. Next, That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. Welcome back from Times Square. Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Uh, yet to come next hour, we will revisit Ann Wilson in the uh, New Music Spotlight this week. She's got two great songs uh, this week, and we're uh, fortunate to have her. Uh, we're also going to dip into some economic talk just after the top, but you got Assignment Desk Weekend and uh, a brand new song written by <clears throat> the President of the United States. You didn't know that he had rap skills, but he mad, mad ones. Speaking of mad skills, uh, the producer for the new movie, Ordinary Angels, which comes out uh, in, in just a matter of days, uh, is Kevin Downs. And I remember working with this fella back when Mom's Night Out, uh, I think, was the name of the movie that we first uh, connected on a long time ago. But, Kevin, it's good to see you. Welcome to That Kevin Show. You know, I'm always a fan of anybody named Kevin, so uh, 
to be here. Likewise, and to be on a show that's named after us. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> it's it's really great. Actually, you know, the fact that it's called that Kevin show, you don't put your last name on it. I might steal that uh, graphic. Sounds good. Well, you know, as long as you're talking about this interview, spread it as far as you want to. Uh, hey, congratulations on Ordinary Angels. Uh, it, I've seen the the trailer and I, I've known about the movie for a while. It kind of got postponed in its, you had a fall release set for it, but someone named Taylor Swift decided to release her movie the same week and so it literally sucked all the oxygen out of the theaters of America. It really did. Taylor Swift decided to dive bomb on our date. Um, uh, which actually turned out to be a good thing because we were in a actor strike. So if we had gone on that date, our actors wouldn't have been able to uh, promote the movie. Uh, so apparently I owe Taylor Swift flowers and a big thank you card. <laughs> Chief's gear. I'm not sure. Uh, That's it. But anyway, we are, we are in theaters nationwide February 23rd. Um, our actors are out promoting the movie. They absolutely love it. Hillary Swank, two-time Oscar winner. And uh, Alan Richin, who is known as Reacher on the Amazon, popular Amazon show, right, right. Um, are the two leads of this beautiful, wonderful, true story that just shows the heart and humanity, um, the heart of what humanity can be, uh, uh, where when you die to yourself and you put others' lives um, more important than you, uh, and this true story about a little girl that uh, needed a liver transplant, what a community did to rally in the midst of a hundred year storm in Louisville, Kentucky, to be able to save the life of this little girl. So it's just, it'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry. It's all the all the feels of the things that you get with a Kingdom Story Company movie. And uh, it's going to be everywhere February 23rd. Well, we want people to make plans and to go out and actually pre-reserve their tickets now, just in case Taylor Swift comes back. We just we, we want to be we want we want to own the seats in the theaters in advance. Hopefully, um, she's occupied. She's yeah. not going to theaters right Well, she's now. gonna she's gonna miss the Super Bowl. I guess if if the Chiefs make it to the big game, she's gonna be in Europe or South America or somewhere. Uh, so anyway, uh, so she shouldn't be anywhere near a theater on February twenty third. Um, Kevin Downs, let, let me ask you, um, 20, 2023 was a huge year for family-oriented and faith-oriented film in a way that we have we have not seen before. Uh, Jesus Revolution and some others just exploded uh, in ways that really hadn't since Passion of the Christ. And I'm, I'm told that 2024 is going to be a very good year for your industry as well along those lines. Um, you don't necessarily bill your stuff, you know, purposefully, you don't walk around with a sign saying, Hey, this is faith and family friendly, but you, you are about doing stories that reach into people's hearts and minds and lives and souls, um, tell a really compelling story, but they're also something that you can take your kids to and not be embarrassed by it. Um, how has your sector of the industry, in your mind, uh, especially since the pandemic, uh, responded to the demand from the marketplace. Yeah, you know, look, you know, if you go to a movie that's produced by myself or a Kingdom Story Company, um, that it's going to be safe. Uh, you can bring your family to it. Uh, it's going to give you a rush of hope, like all of our movies, going from Jesus Revolution back to American Underdog to even I can only imagine. Um, I still believe, and many others. And, uh, and that's, that's our aim. Our aim is uh, to kind of bring movies back into the theater that you feel good, you feel better about yourself, you feel better about your neighbors. Maybe you learned something, you were entertained more than two hours previous when you went into the movie theater. We don't get very many of those. 
Um, but what I love is that uh, the heartland middle America has shown, especially in 2023, that, you know what, we love these movies. We want to go see these movies with Jesus Revolution, obviously doing really well. Uh, Sound of Freedom showed that in the summertime um, that, you know, there isn't we're an audience. We're here. Uh, we would like to see more of this. And so you really uh, vote like an election um, uh, at, at the cinema. You vote with your ticket and yeah. um, and Hollywood will respond to that. I mean, there's no agenda other than to make it's a business and, and for studios to actually put product out there that people actually want to go see. So uh, the way to change that is to actually go and buy a ticket to the movies you want to see. So Ordinary Angels is the next one from us. You're going to love it. You're not going to be disappointed. We're doing pre-release screenings all over the place and uh, getting a lot of standing ovations at churches and and the communities and the groups that we're screening it for. Talk to me about uh, Hillary Swank, because I, to my knowledge, she's never done anything along this line before. Uh, an Oscar winner, obviously, a lot of gravitas having her on the set. Um, and again, this story, it is, it is a gut-wrencher, uh, but it's also got... A lot of uh, comedic elements, and she's kind of a fish out of water in some ways in, in the character that she plays. Um, just talk about what it's like to have her as part of the project. Yeah, we were really blessed to have her as a part of the project. wasn't sure if she would say yes. Had read somewhere that um, uh, her father had a lung transplant, and that, that topic was very near and dear to her heart, which is a central theme of our story. And so we sent the script out with a little note uh, from the director, John Gunn, who did a fabulous job, and she responded to it. And that was one of the reasons why that she responded to it, is the theme and the subject matter is, is very close to her, and the script really resonated with her. And she does such a great job. Her role is very, almost Aaron Brockovich type, yeah. um, and so that she could really sink her teeth into and and show her incredible acting chops and skills. And oh, she does a really good. The range of who she's playing is just incredible. Um, and I, I just, I can't wait for my folks to, to be able to go see it and to uh, tell their friends about it. It, it is one of these uh, films that Kevin was just describing. It's going to, it's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry in places. We'll uh, be, we'll be uh, seeing it on the weekend of the 23rd. We hope everybody else does as well. Kevin, thanks for being with us. Kevin, thanks for having me. It's you got good it. See you again. Kevin McCullough, That Kevin Show, New Music Spotlight next. Ms. Country herself, Ann Wilson. Stay here. Stick around for more of That Kevin. Next, That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough. With a no drink minimum. It's that cabin show. A talented artist with music on two major charts, both the Christian and country charts. It's the number three song in the nation. Here's Ann Wilson and Strong. strong. Try to make them all think I'm strong. Yeah, the face will keep pulling on says I ain't tired. But these tears stained eyes ain't lying. Cause hard, nobody told me life could be so hard. A weary soul with a worn out heart that's barely beating. But every time I get that feeling,
Hey, get the soundtrack. Search hashtag new music spotlight on Spotify or Apple Music. 